Greetings on this rainy day. Carl, do we need rain now? Yeah. No, rain cools things down. Yes, it does. And uh, as long as we don't have storm damage, I'm good. The, the earth needs it. In just a moment, Sean Patrick Tubbs, the director of Union Avenue Opera's production of Ragtime. Then around minute 19, Matthew Kern, the director of the St. Louis Fringe Festival, will talk to us. Around minute 35, the theater roundup with Lynn. And then around minute 37, the movies we have not seen, Red, White, and Royal Blue, and The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Is it Demeter? I don't know. I got to look it up. Around minute 40, our preview of Only Murders in the Building. And then around minute 44, Lynn tells you what is streaming. Carl and I were out last night at the Merry Wives of Windsor in Tower Grove Park. And if you haven't seen it, you need to schedule it because they're um, at local parks through August 27th. And it's a fun for the whole family and a fun free night. So go to stlshakes.org and get that scheduled right now. But the other thing coming to town next weekend, August 18th, August 18th, 19th, and then the following weekend is the landmark musical Ragtime done by the Union Avenue Opera. And we are so fortunate today to have the director with us, Sean Tubbs. Greetings, Sean. Hi, Sean. Hi. So good to be here, Lynn and Carl. Absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me to talk about this wonderful piece. Thank you. Well, you have been immersed because this, this is a task. This is a daunting show. So how do you approach it and how many people are going to be on that Union Avenue opera stage? Well, it is, uh, to my knowledge, the largest gathering of voices that we get to bring to Union Avenue stage by maybe just one or two, but we're going to be about 42 folks on the stage at one time. Um, and it is a it is a daunting task, but it's a worthwhile task as well. Um, it's one of the richest sounds by by our uh, Scott Schoonover's, um, our, our, of course, artistic director and conductor, by his own words, um, one of the richest sounds that the stage has been able to have in a long time, a full sound by so many voices. Um, and again, I always say that you have to start anything and by just one single moment or one single person. So we really want to place every person that they feel like their voice is being heard just as strongly as anyone else's. So I always start with one person at a time. Uh-huh. Well, I did not see ragtime on its first go round, but it was my first trip to New York, summer of 1998. And it was just after the Tony Awards when the Lion King and ragtime duped it up. And ragtime won for the score by Stephen Aarons and Lynn Flair. Uh, um, Aaron, Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Aarons. Yeah. And they're responsible for Susical. Carl, you might have seen that. And uh, yes. some of the terrific things. But this, this is a bellwether. This is just such a marvelous musical. So we couldn't get tickets. So I didn't see it till it came on the first national tour. And we were in awe. Then everybody stood up immediately and, and out of respect because it's just these voices are incredible. This story is America. 
so it came out 1998, but it's just as relevant today, don't you think, Sean? Absolutely. Um, I think it is relevant. Obviously, it speaks to um, a lot of what we still strive for in our country. I mean, at, at the heart of a ragtime is our search for the American dream. And it takes different perspectives and the different groups that this piece represents from an affluent New Rochelle group to um, some Harlemanites, especially one who is a musician who's bringing this the sound of ragtime and Cole House Walker Jr., that character, as well as an immigrant population is coming in with all with the hope of achieving what they feel is their American dream and the promise this country gives us to be to achieve more than we think we can. Um, so it's so relevant to our country because I think we're all trying to strive for what we want. But I think even more so um, here in the St. Louis area, um, I found that it really speaks to um, both the challenges and the the hopes of of, uh, of an area of a population who want to know more about each other, who maybe don't get a chance to intermingle as much as they would like to um, in an equal basis. And I think that we can sit down in a space for a couple of hours and we can laugh together, we can cry together, and we can learn from each other. And I think that's the reason that you do ragtime. So wheels of a dream cannot wait because it's just going to be fantastic. And tell us about um, the the who your Brian Stokes Mitchell and Audra McDonald is. Yes. I mean, we have uh, two amazing performers. Um, we have ourselves, um, uh, w- both of them are at heart, like they, they have ties to St. Louis, though neither one is directly from St. Louis. Um, um, our... Our, of course, our Brian Stokes Mitchell or our Cole House Walker Jr. Um, his name is Nigel. And he has such a rich voice. He teaches music. And he's allowed um, some of his practice as a musician to really filter in um, this this embodiment of Cole House Walker Jr. Somebody who's he's in, has an affinity for Scott Joplin, which, of course, is our native here um, in St. Louis. Everyone has led me to to see that connection. And he really started taking his interest in the music and into musical theater and a lot of um, uh, the, the music he does through through Scott Joplin as well um, and, and the legacy that was left there. So there's a there's a really close tie there. And of course, uh, Jasmine, who was our Sarah, uh, Sarah in this piece right here, has a huge, rich voice. She's really from the Maryland area and, and, and coming in. But she has been able to bring such a sophistication in her voice. She is a, a pure opera singer, but she has, uh, I always like to say, uh, there's a little bit of flair when you have musical theater in there as well. Um, and she's giving this wonderful connection. And you brought up Wheels of a Dream. And I just want to say that Wheels of a Dream is so important of a piece, not just because of musically, but but it's taking this idea, this this promise of a dream and making the dream travel with you by taking it everywhere. And sometimes our dream can feel very stagnant and stuck in one area. And they're speaking to taking this dream and taking their family with them and and allowing this dream to travel across this great country. And and and. And I think that we all need to to think about how our dreams can move past one point to the next. It's so powerful. I just can't wait. So how did you get involved in Union Avenue Opera? Yeah, so my my story is pretty quick. I've been, um, I was here five years ago um, and I did Lost in the Stars, a Kerbile <gasps> piece. Oh, that um, was beautiful. Thank you. Um, and that was, I think at the time, I think we sort of tied for the most. Uh, yes. Yes. Because that's um, what I thought of. When, when, yeah. yeah. 
So I, oh, I have the was... distinction. I think collectively I have the distinction of having now the total amount more than anyone else. But um, I was a Kurt, former Kurt Vile fellow, um, which allowed me to find a connection to through the Kurt Vile Foundation when they when they took on the 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 challenge of you doing Lost in the Stars in 2018. And since then, me uh, myself and um, Scott Schoonover, artistic director, have really kind of formed a bond where we were going to try and find something else that allowed me to come back and us to work together again. And it just happened to be ragtime. Um, and, and and it's really special to me. I do want to say like ragtime um, is a piece that um, I'm happy to do, but I'm, I'm even more ecstatic because I get to do it with my wife. I'm um, the choreographer. Oh. So my wife, Leah Tubbs, is the choreographer on the piece. And I think whenever we can sort of share where we're from, uh, where we live currently now, we both reside in Harlem, New York. So as one of the groups is Harlem, we get to bring Harlem into this piece, into St. Louis um, in our own way, and uh, both get a chance to affect this piece. And it's become a really special um, piece for us to um, uh, create alongside the, the artist here. Well, that's wonderful. What do you think about this space? I, I'm just always amazed at Union Avenue Opera that they took this idea and uh, it's just, it, it grew and grew and grew and the professionalism grew and grew and grew. And it's such an intimate experience. And every time I go, because it's at Union Avenue Christian Church, I am struck by how many different age groups are there. It is just no longer the the um, elderly. Let's put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's true. I see high school kids. I see college kids. I see. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say families, but I I see a very group of people, and I think they are going to be so blown away by this because if you haven't seen Ragtime that needs to be on your must-see list because it is. And I just, if you think about like your daddy's eyes and all these emotional powerhouse songs that are going to be sung. Now in your chorus, I think you're having some of the same people that were in Lost in the Stars, if I'm not. Yeah, that is true. We have some returners from Lost in Stars, which is wonderful. It's like coming back to a family you formed, <clears throat> even many years ago. Um, and what's wonderful of that is that I think we all have more life to bring into our next piece and we all have more experience. Um, for me, that was my first opportunity to work with Union Avenue Opera. And uh, for several of them, that was their first time or maybe even just their second time. So since then, um, they've been able to do more work with Union Avenue Opera. I've obviously got an opportunity to do more work around the country. And I think we get to come back with this wealth of knowledge and dreams that we even didn't have before. And I think it's necessary for this piece. Um, and speaking again, I just want to point out when you mentioned about the one, the space and what Scott has um, set out in the season and he does many seasons, including when I was here last time, it's very ambitious. Now I will say, I'm often asked, how are you going to put this many people on stage as you sort of begin with? And the truth of the matter is, is that anyone I think if you have to you have to believe you have to literally have a dream coming in that this piece not only um, works for the space, but really works for the with the people around it. So um, I, there are moments where we spill out into the audience, but we have to because this piece includes everyone who comes to see it um, and it shouldn't feel like you're just watching something that's separated by by uh, a pit or um, by the proscenium line. It should feel like the story is yours. And that's why the story has to 
it start, begin on stage, but it has to connect through the audience. So we're we're going to be we're going to be up close and personal a few times, and I think that's what we need to do. Um, and I, I I couldn't ask for a better group who have a move through a super challenging piece in a very short time. Um, and uh, we are continually putting in work every day. Uh, but get your tickets very fast because I hear there's not very many left. Um, and it, someone who didn't come from an opera background, I'm um, growing up. I've been in the arts my entire life, but um, I always felt like opera was a separate thing than even musicals. But the truth of the matter is, is that the focus is on the story. Music is such a great vehicle to carry it, uh, whether this is considered opera or a musical. Um, it's about the story um, and it's about the people in it. Well, speaking um, of the space, one of the things, if you're familiar with Ragtown, the musical, it is known for having, besides a cast of thousands on stage, it also is known for having a very large orchestra. Are you going to be having as many people in the orchestra as possible to give it that fuller sound? Or are you scaling back a little bit? Uh, it's scaled back from what we what we um, are familiar with when we think about the uh, Broadway version. But I think everything is scaled back from Broadway version. Um, <laughs> Broadway gets to be unique in that sense. Um, there's several versions of this piece, and they have minute changes in them. Um, this is considered version two, and the only difference from version two is that the orchestration is scaled back to to sort of hone into that pure ragtime feel. Um, um, and just give you what you need instead of adding a little flash and a little glamour. It also has a couple of fewer characters, um, some of the auxiliary characters, like we get Houdini, but his mom is not in it. So if you're coming for Houdini's mom, we'll, we'll have to- <laughs> If you're coming for Houdini's mom, you are really <laughs> fan of the show. You are really a fan of the show <laughs> um, for those two lines that Houdini mom has. Um, but uh, it is scaled back in a sense. And what I love about that is that it just gets to the heart of the piece just a little bit quicker. Um, you don't miss anything. There's no story. There's no arc taken down. It's just, it, it's some of the um, the additional parts to sort of make it a, what's considered grander, um, a bit smaller. But what I will say that we've done in this piece that makes it closer to your experience in the, the version one or larger one is version two is normally done with a ca uh, cast of about 20. And we've more than doubled that. <laughs> Yeah. So um, it's made for that reason. So it can be done intimate, but we realized that that's not a great representation of what we wanted to show this world of this population or the sound that we could create. So uh, between Sky and I, we agreed that we can, we're just going to double the cast and, um, and fill the sound in and have, have more in each area so we can have more represented on stage. I am so excited. I'm not going to come till the last weekend. So, but I'm just so grateful to be able to have this opportunity and it's rarely done. And so I applaud this ambition and I'm, I'm reading your uh, uh, biography in the program and you have quite the resume. So I, I encourage everybody to read that program and see, because when you say you've worked all over the United States, you have worked all over the United States. Absolutely, and absolutely. I, yeah, and it's just it's really impressive. Uh, I, the Shakespeare, too. It's kind of intertwined opera Shakespeare. It is. It's 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 um, speaking to larger ideas, larger thoughts um, and really getting to the heart like. You know, the great thing about when I, when I think about opera and just the, the music and the orchestration, and, and honestly, again, that's my connection even to musicals, is that when you sing something, you have to sing it fully. There's no subtext. There's no pretense. There's what it is. 
and when you think about Shakespeare, um, it's often considered um, a, a text with no subtext. So the, the characters are speaking from their heart and they're speaking their truth. And I, I think when we do anything where we can speak our full truth, um, then it allows the audience to to see that in themselves. So I, I, I've always enjoyed all of the work. Um, I, I don't think I think it's all connected. And my hope is that when we see pieces like this, um, we see some of the work they do at Union Avenue Opera and just around the country that I get a chance to do, um, that we realize that we don't have to define ourselves by one art form and we don't have to define ourselves by one thought. Like everything is necessary. Um, and you can always find yourself wherever you look, if you're, if you're willing to look. Well, you can find everything. It's the final show of the 29th season of Union Avenue Opera, unionavenueopera.org for tickets and information. And you can actually see the playbill that Lynn is talking about online right there. Oh, she has a physical copy. Yes. And I just want to point out two things. Uh, Scott Joplin House is here in St. Louis, and uh, it was damaged last year, and I hope it's reopened. I I should have uh, Googled that first before we talked, but that is a link to St. Louis that, that I'm so glad you mentioned, Sean, because I think people forget uh, the importance of Scott Joplin in the great American scheme of things, and then also our, our St. Louis connection, and then... If anybody is interested in seeing Caroline or Change at that's now playing at Flying North Theatricals at the Marcel, and this is the last weekend, and if you want to see some fantastic voices, you have to put that into your schedule. The guy that is playing the dryer and the bus and the ex-husband, Dwayne Foster, was in the original Broadway cast of Ragtime. And he understudied Cole House Walker. And to hear him sing in Carolina Change is just beautiful. It's just, he opens his mouth as a, as a supporting character. And you're like, oh my God. And then you find out he was in the original Broadway cast of Ragtime. And then the woman playing Caroline, D. Rance Blaylock, was in Antigone and Ferguson on the, Har on the Harlem stage five years ago. So there's your little connections to uh, great art on a local level. Amazing. Well, thank you, Sean. I hope to see you at the, at the performance. And uh, I know in that little hallway after the show, when everybody's running around, uh, I will see many people I know. <laughs> Absolutely. I thank you both for the opportunity. And again, it's really a special piece, and I, I'm just excited that it's going to be shared with this community. Oh, thank you for thank being you. on with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your time, because I'm sure you are very busy. Just Once again, unionavenueopera.org. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Hi, Matthew. Yeah, look look at Hi, Matthew Perkins. Hi, Matthew. Boy, you're looking, you you're looking sharp today. Oh, thanks. Straight from my art studio. Here I am. Uh, I'm also seeing Ragtime this weekend. I can't wait. It's my favorite musical of all time. Oh, isn't it just fantastic? It's yeah. just so powerful and so beautiful and so many uh, different stories going on that just touch your heart. Totally. We have uh, every family and 
Uh, I saw it when Stray Dog did it uh, and they won. Uh, they swept the theater circle awards a couple of years ago. And that was a small stage and that was ambitious. And some of those same people are in this. Totally. And like, you, you know, it's so funny. We're a really we're a big city and we're a small theater family. That's for sure. And uh, you were talking about Fly North Theatricals this year at the Fringe Festival. As soon as they're finished with that, um, Bradley, who is one of the Fly North people, yeah. is doing a show called Unlicensed Musical Therapy, uh, <laughs> which is an original musical with him and his friends. He's going to be playing music and his friends are giving him a therapy session and it's going to all come out in a musical form on the stage. The dots. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, well, I have to I have to see that. I have to fit that in because Bradley is uniquely talented and he was our best director last year at the St. Louis Theater Circle Awards oh, for yeah, for assassins. Oh and yeah. uh and so when he when he accepted, he did his speech about, you know, life is terrible, so spend all your money on art. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right i mean no truer words have been said so uh, the, how many years have you helmed the fringe festival uh this is my eighth year at the helm uh so we've been around for 12 and i've been the head of it for eight uh-huh yeah well i didn't i didn't get in on the first one but i remember in uh i want to say maybe 2013 that might have been the first one with all the, in the Grand Center when we were all running around at the different places. It was but, one of the first ones, the first 2011. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe it was 212 when we started yeah. the circle and I started going to everything. Uh, so tell us about, uh, I mean, this is ambitious. You have uh, the what are the dates and tell us where you're going to be um, putting on all the different performances. Sure. So it's super exciting from back in those days when there were maybe five performances in total. Uh, now we have 42 this year. Oh, wow. And those 42 uh, performances are going to be housed somewhere between the Dots Act Theater, the High Low the Marcel Theater, you can see some music and some other things at the Urban Chestnut Brewery Beer Garden, uh, you name it and we have it. And this year runs the gamut. Our So the way the Fringe works here in St. Louis is we're a hybrid festival, which means we curate a part of it and the other part of it uh, is uh, by random selection or, or this year we've let everybody in. So what we decided to do in celebration of our 12th year is just say yes to everybody because we felt that now more than ever artists voices needed to be heard and stories needed to be told it's a dirty dozen it's a dirty dozen 100 next year will be a baker's dozen isn't a baker's <laughs> dozen 13 yes so, yeah correct all right, I'm going to use, thank you. I'm going to use that next year. You're welcome. Um, so our headline acts this year, we're really excited because for the first time ever, a youth company is the local headline act. Um, uh, Gateway Center for the Performing Arts is doing a rarely done musical called Bear. It's a pop opera. It's about a Catholic school and some teens coming of age and everything that they're wrestling with. And it's really powerful and really strong. And if you know this company, they do phenomenal work. They are, um, I don't usually like to use the word amazing because it's overused in music, but they are truly amazing. They are eye-opening. They, they, everything I have seen there, I'm just blown away that these kids have 
the maturity and the ability to interpret adult themes and their their choreography, their musical direction, their talent is unbelievable. They're in Webster Groves. They're celebrating their 25th year. They are right next to Balkan Treat Box, FYI. And um, they uh, are just, they just clean up at the Arts for Life Awards every year. And they have people, they have students that have gone on to uh, big time careers in musical theater. And one of their students this year, Anna Wright, she was a finalist for the Jimmy Awards in New York, and she's one of theirs. So, so there, I just, I, the fact that they're doing something at Fringe, I am so excited. I was like, I have to go to that one. I have yes. to go to Joe Hanrahan's that Humans of St. Louis. The Humans of St. Louis. So yeah, the Humans of St. Louis started as an Instagram page, right? And then in New York, and then Lindy Drew brought it here and started it as uh, the Humans of St. Louis, uh, as, as our Instagram page for our city. They then turned it into a book and the book is now out and you can buy the book at the festival too. And then she partnered with Joe and the Midnight Company and now it's gonna be the Humans of St. Louis on stage. And it's a world premiere and we're so excited about it because it's such a great idea. And it's at the core of what the Fringe is, which is telling the stories of our neighbors and our friends and people who don't get the spotlight very often. And here's the opportunity to shine a light on how excellent they are. I know. And you see all different types. And I remember Gringo a couple of years ago, which is yeah. still a record breaker. And that was an original musical by Colin Healy and uh, and and uh, Taylor Cheatham uh, auctioned off his artwork. And yeah. so it's 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 people of all different kinds of talents. And there's a really cool vibe to the Fringe Festival because it's exciting. It's uh, many young artists, but also veteran artists like Joe. And, you know, the gang at Gateway Center, Paul Pagano, his wife, Lori, and yep. Stephanie Fox, the choreographer. So you and have a good mix of theater people in town, but also emerging artists. 100%. And we're also multidisciplinary. So we bring people to the stage who you might not usually see and different kinds of art. So Chris Ondo, who is an author in town and writes books about the gay nightlife experience, the LGBTQIA plus community, um, he's chronicled stories of a whole era of men and women who and, and trans folks who live in this world that really don't get recognized a lot in two books. And we have turned his life story into a story on stage that really is showing you how the great chronicler became the storyteller that we all know today. And uh, his late night headline act is called uh, The Final Performance of Midnight Annie. And we couldn't be more thrilled about it. It's a really funny, beautiful piece of work. Oh my goodness, I have read him uh, in the Riverfront Times. Yeah. And uh, I know he he used to the 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 publication that was was it Vital Voice? Vital Voice. He worked there too. Yes. Yep. And he he wrote a piece about Don Cameron Miller's show, which I just saw about the about the Karens of Maplewood. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chris is the first person to say, I'm not afraid to like open the door on difficult material. And I think that's something that I love about him so much is that he is fearless in his writing and storytelling. 
Um, other people that are fearless, if I may, is again, we're multidisciplinary. So we're having a an LGBTQIA plus comedy showcase. Um, it's hosted by Charlie Myers. And there are six comedians who come from that community who are going to tell their stories on stage. And uh, everybody gets a little piece of their stand up. Um, you can also see How It Feels to Be on Wheels, which is Katie Bannister coming in for a night of her original poetry to talk about her life uh, in a wheelchair and what that's like. And she's such an advocate for the disability community and such a fantastic artist. And we're thrilled to have her at the Fringe. It's the first time ever she's been there, too. Oh, oh wow. Well, last yeah. year I saw her original play, her life story, called Roll With It. And yeah. she she is a life force. She is a she force. Is, I love it. Yeah, she's, she's a wonderful human being. And uh, to take her tragic circumstances and turn them into giving other people hope and uh, is just really remarkable. And she's been through it with, yeah. some, you know, so her struggles are on ongoing. So isn't there like a pass you can get? Uh, there is. So you can buy individual tickets for 15 bucks to see an individual show. Um, you can also buy a three show pass. Uh, that's just over 40 bucks. You can buy a five show pass that's just over 80 bucks, or you can buy a binge the fringe pass for, I think it's 105 in total, um, where is. you can see everything. And the headline act, the local headline act is 35 bucks. And the other two headline acts are $25. One of those, the third one I haven't mentioned yet is the Oreo complex. The show came to the festival last year out of the lottery and it's such a brilliant piece of work that we actually asked Lillian to bring it back this year and be the national headline act because we wanted more people to see it. It is a phenomenal solo performance piece that's multimedia. And it's her telling the story of her experience of being a black woman in America today and taking on all the tropes and stereotypes that are ascribed to black women. It's powerful and it's really pointed and it's well worth your time. Now I'm 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 curious about two things that we have not mentioned. Uh, yeah. The Jamie Campbell <laughs> Big Dad Energy Show. Oh, one night only as well. One night only. Jamie Campbell's coming in between Fringe Festival, so he's in one right now. He'll be coming down for one day for us and then going on to another one that he has to be on stage on Thursday. So Tuesday night, and he's a comedian. He has a lot of really fantastic credits if you IMBDM. And uh, it's the story of being married in your 40s and having kids that he doesn't have. So, I mean, whatever that advice comes. I can certainly relate <laughs> to being married in your 40s. I don't understand. I have dogs, not kids. So I don't know that world. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it's the, supposed to be a hit. And the other one is how to do sideshow for fun and profit. Yes. So this one is a piece of theater that is original. It is interactive and it's a lecture at the same time. And I want to say that it's a carnival of sorts and things may not go as smoothly as anticipated. Well, yeah, it starts at 11 o'clock and ends after midnight. So right. uh, it's a little dangerous. It's a, just a skosh, just a skosh dangerous. And that's the beauty of the Fringe Festival is we run the gamut. We're proud to have a burlesque show again this year. We always celebrate our burlesque community. Um, and we also are proud to have dance shows. We have a dreamscape. We have mother trucker. We have the belly dancer monologues. Um, we have unbetween, 
Uh, we have so many different dance shows. And we also, in a strange turn of events, have uh, the concert of Eric Keeney, who's premiering his country album, Broken Land, with us here at the Fringe. Oh, wow. I know, right? Yeah, that STL is. STLfringe.org. It's for everybody. So it does sound like you have something for everyone. And so it sounds like you bounced quite back from the pin from the uh global public health emergency. Well, I'll tell you, we were very fortunate to be one of the organizations. We were one of the first festivals in the nation to become a digital festival during the pandemic. Uh, we were able to flip and we were able to have artists safely from their walk-in closets, turning them into theaters, perform through like just like we're doing now on Zoom. And the next year we were able to do some of that as well as some outdoor tents because we're fortunate to be part of the Kranzberg Arts Foundation. So they had the circus tent and they had erected a tent outside of the Grand Dell and we did stuff in the sweltering heat under those tents uh, because telling stories matters. And last year we were back and now we're just like soaring with full force. Tickets are flying off the shelf. So please come down and join us and please really, really celebrate independent arts these are things you will not see on stages anywhere else in this region. No. STLfringe.org has all the information, everything that we talked about, and more. Because it's not just everything that we mentioned. It's something all the time. Going the on time. different times of the day. There's There are morning shows. There are evening shows. Late night shows. Something for everyone. And while you're there, you can run to the Urban Chestnut and, you know, grab a beer. You can go down to Sophie's Lounge and you can grab a cocktail. You can go over to Turn and eat some brunch. There's so many possibilities to not just take in the art, but also to eat, to dine, to hang out in the beautiful Grand Center Arts District. Yeah, there's really an energy to it when you decide to uh, maybe do some things back to back. It's really fun because everybody's walking around and it's just fun. It was it's like the old theater crawl. It is. Oh, and here's the last thing I'll say to you all. Sunday, uh, we always take over the parking lot at the UCBC. And we're so thrilled because Miss Mo and the Flying Fringettes are back. So they'll be <laughs> swinging through the air on that Sunday afternoon <laughs> while everybody goes from venue to venue watching shows. All right, so now I have to fit in at least five or six of these. So we'll, <laughs> we will, um, I'll look very forward to it. Thank you for having me. Well, well thank, thank you for being with us. Thank you. And uh, I will, um, I'll be in touch. Okay, talk to you all soon. Take <laughs> she, care. She knows things. <laughs> she knows things. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Matthew. Bye. So, Lynn. That's a lot of theater. And then, you know, we, as we said earlier, we saw last night, we saw the St. Louis shakes. Yes. And it's so fun. 90 minutes of uh, Mary wives of Windsor and they have created it like a 90 sitcom. Carl Overly Jr. Plays like the Kevin James and uh, Joel Moses is the Tim Allen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh it's just, it's just really fun. And the housewives, because they were housewives back then, um, right? Michelle and uh, Ray Davis, and uh, they turned the tables on the guys, like many '90s sitcoms did, with the '90s soundtrack and recognizable catchphrases. And it's just a fun vibe. People had their dogs. People had. Um, their families out there. There was a pop-up farmer's market, which 
on Tuesday nights apparently is the place to be in Tower Grove Park because Saturday's event is like you're walking through the aisles just like craziness. So right. it's a little bit low key. So and you had didn't they have like they had food and drink and yeah, they and, did. But that they there there were food there was an there was a festival going on at Tower Grove Park at the time because you know with St. Louis Shakes they try to find events that are going on already and so you're not just seeing the play there are other things that you can do right and you could bring uh lawn chairs and blankets and uh it was right next to the Roman Pavilion which had bathrooms which mm -hmm. was key important but this weekend they're they're going both sides of the river right so at a when we say at a park near you we mean at a park near you and we were talking to some members of St. Louis Shakespeare Festival about how they hope to expand and if it's not necessarily at a park near you it might be sooner than you think yes and this is the last weekend to see Carolina Change, which I've mentioned. You will not find better voices. This show is hardly ever done. It's Janine uh, uh, Tesori, the most honored female composer in Broadway history. And Anthony Kushner, who you might remember, did Angels in America. And yeah, you might. This yeah, this takes place in 1963 and we had them on last week and it's a triumph. It's just, it's just such guard. It's, it's sung. It is sung. It's two acts. There's like 50 songs. And, wow. and yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, and, and you hear these voices and you're just like, Oh my God, they don't hold anything back. It's one great song after another. And uh, it's just, such professional quality theater in town i can't speak highly enough to them and then um wednesday night janelle gilrith owens has her cabaret at the blue strawberry and if you haven't been to the blue strawberry check it out our friend joe hanrahan is doing a lot of the scripts for yep. these themed cabarets so it's a hybrid it's a cabaret slash theater so what else is going on, Carl? Well, also, there are two movies that are coming out this week that, due to our production schedule, uh, which the, <laughs> we're, we're recording this before these two movies are screened to us, yet they're screening both of them at the same time on tonight. So we're not going to be able to talk to either of these next till next week uh there's the red white and royal blue which is going to be on amazon prime this week and then there's also the last voyage of the demeter which they told us to prepare for this that they were going to show it to us and then now it's coming out and neither of us have seen it lynn which one are you going to go to tonight i'm going to the voyage okay and my rationale is I can watch uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue on Amazon Prime. Right. And, and you can because because we're recording this on Wednesday and there's no rush for you. 
No. And it's a high concept. I'm not sure about this. It's from a best-selling book. It is the president of the United States' son mm-hmm. falls in love with the, the Prince of England, who is the, the heir to the royal throne. Right. So, yeah, hijinks ensues. I uh-huh. saw the clips and I was like, hmm. Huh. Yeah. But this Demeter is based on a a reference in Bram Stoker's Dracula and it's animated and I am intrigued. Yeah, I have a I have a work event, so I am actually going to be seeing neither of them. I don't even know if I'll get to watch the first two episodes of Only Murders in the Building. Now, Lynn, did you finally finish season two or are you? You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go straight into season three. No, don't. You should finish season two. Season two has the lovely Michael Rappaport in it, and oh. he is very pivotal That's... to what happens in the future. So you okay. need to finish. Okay, so I need to finish. To... Okay. And because the last, the last scene of season two leads directly into season three, so you okay. have to watch it. Okay, but but I, hear, I don't know. I hear... They might recap that at the beginning of season three, but I still think you should watch season two because you need to find out who killed Bunny. Okay, and it's a murder not in the building on the Broadway stage, and I did see the promo for it, and I hear Meryl Streep slays, which of course she would, and uh, it just looks delightful and charming, and I love Michael Rappaport, so of course I think I got to episode four. I'm not sure, but I have to go back and refresh. But I just love the interaction between Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez. Ah, oh, Selena Gomez. They are quite the trio. I have, had, I, I have had my picture with Selena Gomez, and I went to go see Steve Martin and Martin Short for the first time. They've been here three times now at the Fox, and I finally got to see them the third time because usually they come in the fall, and I miss them for hockey games. And now I get to, I got to see them last, uh, last spring. Well, I missed them again because I tried getting tickets too late and they immediately sell out. And I did see, I, I am very proud of this, that I saw Steve Martin on his first national tours in 70, yeah, 78 and, uh, uh, 79. Uh, it was at the Keel Opera House, and it and then it was at the the uh, I think it was Checker Dome then or the Arena, and uh, it was really it was the height of his uh, fame with Saturday Night Live and the Wild and Crazy Guys, and which drove Tut. him crazy. I know, and the King Tut, and that. But when I was in college, he was on the Tonight Show, and everybody was talking the guy with the arrow in his head. And you had to see the guy with the arrow in his head. So, uh, no, he's just, I mean, the fact that he and Martin Short, and Martin Short, oh, my God. The first time you saw him on SCTV, you were like, who is that guy? Mm-hmm. And then he was on SNL for a season. That the was hired the, gun season. The right. hired gun season, which was fabulous. And when he does Ed Grimsley, oh, my God, just you know, just just a master at all that. And then he's gone on to be an acclaimed Broadway star. Mm-hmm. And Steve Martin's gone on to be an acclaimed uh, playwright. So and, and banjo player. Yes. 
Well, I do want to mention a couple things because I went through what's streaming in August because let's face it, we're going to have some slim pickings at the box office. I was and at horror. The, and I was horror at movies. Yes, I was at the screening of Gran Turismo on Monday night. It doesn't come out till August 25th. And uh, due to um, circumstances beyond our control, it never did get screened. But we did see 10 previews. And of those 10, maybe three are worthwhile. And what is disturbing to me is that we have all these hunky guys with abs emoting in movies and they're interchangeable. I don't know who these guys are. Like there's this one horror movie coming out called Craven with Russell Crowe. And all the sons look like, it's like, how are we going to keep them apart on screen? But uh, those, it, that's just an anomaly. And then Haunting in Venice looks wonderful, but they're not going to screen it for us. Hmm. So I don't know. So anyway, here is um, some exciting news. Asteroid City is going to be on Peacock starting Friday. Oh, wow. August 11th. So if you missed it, you can see Wes Anderson's latest. It is a vision in production design. Story's pretty dense, I will say, and challenging. Super Mario Brothers is screening on Peacock as well right now. Huh. Yes. I saw I I saw both of those movies. Yes, and on Paramount Plus, uh, if you're going to go see Kinky Boots that Tesseract's doing, and we're going to talk to Taylor Brenlow next week, uh, the original movie with Chiwetel Ejiofor uh, the, from 2006 is on Paramount Plus. And there are three movies that I adore that are on a streaming called Adventureland. That's the one with Jesse Eisenberg. That was in my top 10 movies I, that year. And Kristen Stewart also. Yes. Yes. And and uh, and uh, slimy Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's wonderful. It's about working at a, a amusement park one summer and uh, playing by heart. This is a great romantic comedy. And Sean Connery's the dad. Think about what? that. And John Stewart. Yes, The Daily Show, John Stewart. He was an Act actor, you know. I know. He acts in it. He so acted I, in Adam Sandler's Big Daddy. Yeah, so I encourage everybody to see that because it's one of what's these... The, what's the name of the movie again? Plain by Heart. It fell through the cracks. You know how sometimes at Christmas all these movies come out and then, then we, yes. we, we get these ones at the end and they don't know what to do with them. That was one of those movies that year. And it's just charming and delightful. And then one of my favorite dramas, David Fincher, Zodiac. Yeah. Oh, that's got that killer cast of Mark Ruffalo, Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr. It's about the serial killings in in uh, California. And it's, mm -hmm. isn't it a fascinating movie? And I never get tired of uh, of recommending it. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Um, if you haven't seen Game Night... It's on Hulu, and I keep saying that because, you know, it is it is summer, and you want light fare. Uh, Max Foise, our dear pal, um, has yeah. been raving about this horror movie called Skinner Mary, 
or Skinnamarink, right? I don't know it. Yeah. Well, Alex McPherson, who writes for my website, he said that is, uh, and Talk to Me are his two favorite horror movies of the year. And so that they're is- already make, They're already going to make a sequel to Talk to Me. They already announced it. I know. And and that is streaming on Hulu. Okay. So um, the guy that is the subject of searching for Sugar Man just died. Mm. Rodriguez today or yesterday. And that documentary searching for Sugar Man is now in the August lineup on Max. Oh, so Max also has that terrific fall through the cracks movie Stan and Ollie. With John C. Riley and yes, he Steve won. Kubi. They won BAFTAs for that. It's a fabulous movie. It's a wonderful movie, and uh, it just it was one of those that came out. They didn't know what to do with it, and there's a movie with John Krasinski called The Hollers. Again, just under the radar, and it's delightful, and it's on Max. And if you haven't seen the third segment of Richard Linkletter's Before trilogy before midnight is now in rotation at max so there's my streaming lineup for the week if you aren't going if you've already seen barbenheimer and what else is there besides <laughs> well, today, the turtles you know i don't know if you should see oppenheimer uh today it's the anniversary of them dropping the bomb so maybe maybe not on this wednesday yeah well um there is the YouTube effect that is now available too by Alex Winter. Alex Winter, yeah. And uh, the St. Louis Film Critics sponsored it last year at the St. Louis International Film Festival. And it is now available on Amazon and all your streaming platforms. Just go to justwatch.com and find out. And this is his trilogy about technology because Alex has become a very, um, a, a quite astute documentary filmmaker. Yes. And he's always been at the fest because he grew up in St. Louis. His right. first his first commercial was under the arch for uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. He mm-hmm. was one of the urchins in Oliver at the Muni with Vincent Price as Fagan. Oh, that's hilarious. I know. So uh, he he loves coming back to St. Louis. He, some of his family is still here. So he doesn't he didn't get to make it in for the festival last year, but he did come when his uh the one about the the dark web and i forget the name of it but yeah if you go to pop life uh, poplifestl.com my website we did an interview with him last fall that is on there and it explains the youtube effect he's not being totally negative about it he's being supportive of it too but he's talking about the dangers of these uh, of uh, social media inflaming hate crimes, right? Well, you know, Lynn, we're also going to see Sister Act next week, and we're not going to get to see Jamie Fox and Will Ferrell and Strays, which is I actually was looking forward to that, but we're not going to get to see that either. Well, I did see the previews, and I think uh, we can. Uh, see it hopefully on streaming when it comes <laughs> rather out. sooner than later. Yes, because ooh. you know sometimes when you see an August movie, you realize why it's coming out in August, and then sometimes like remember to Hell and High Water. 
mm-hmm. uh, when that came out with Chris Pine and Ben Foster and uh, Taylor Sheridan. We were you and I were talking about Taylor Sheridan last night. I know. And we were like, oh, my God, Taylor Sheridan knows how to make a movie. And uh, that was uh, and the now he Jeff knows how Bridges. to make a, an entire uh, world on television. Yes, he does. And so uh, that was like one of the biggest surprises and hits of August of all time. And yep. uh, so, you know, sometimes it does. We can be surprised, but let's hope for this animated movie, because that's still one of the most creative uh, ways to make a film. Right. Yep. It and is. the the the, uh, the strikes are at day 100 now. Yeah. We wish them, uh, we want them to get back together and get it finished. Or else we're just going to have nonstop reality shows and it's going to be really sad. And, and actors and writers podcasting. We don't need any more competition, Lynn. Lynn, where can we find you in real life? In real life? I'm at the Webster Kirkwood times. I am uh, also on KTRS every Friday morning with Wendy and Jennifer. And I am uh, have the website poplifestl.com. And I write news and features for the Velvet News Democrat. And that's where I am. Where can we find you, Carl? You can find me on the radio Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1 FM Talk. And on the weekends, Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors on 97.1 and KMOX. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at underscore Carl the Intern. And I am everywhere around town doing everything that I can. At you least for are. The next week and a half. And we were at Rent on Saturday. And uh, it only and I was has... at Clue on Saturday, too. Wow. We only have two more days. Clue runs through August 20th. Rent is only at the Muni till August 10th. And uh, this has been quite a great summer at the Muni, don't you think, Carl? I do think so. And I'm glad they structured it the way they did because Sister Act will end on a positive note. Rent rent is very depressing, and I'm glad they didn't end the season with it. Yes, I am too. But you, oh should, God, you should end on a positive note and... A woman running from the mob hiding out as a nun is probably the way to go. Because it's going to have so much fun. And it's the fourth Alan Menken musical of, or the third Alan Menken musical of the year. And I think it's the fourth Muni premiere. It's the fourth Muni premiere. It was at stages a couple years ago. It is joyous. It is fun. Everything you like about the movie is here. The performers get to shine. I am. My sisters are in town. They are rarely here during. And so you're going to have your own little sister act. We are. I'm so excited. I hope you get to meet them. Julie and Mary Claire. Mary Claire is coming in from Vegas and Julie's coming in from South Carolina. And we're doing all these family things next week. So, well, we'll do that. We'll do that next week, everyone. I hope you have a dry and cool rest of the week. And we'll talk next. And filled with arts and wonder and joy. All the above. Bye. Bye. Wasn't this a good show? Was it? It was.